1: We must be diligent to study God's Word, to not just hear it, but to actually get into it ourselves.
0: Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's core truth.
1: Well, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 35, and I entitled this message, Getting Back to Basics. Yes, a life of willingness many times starts with us getting back to the very basics of life. It's remembering the fundamentals, you could say. It's reestablishing our basic roots. For there are times that we can lose track of where we are and where we're really supposed to be. And we can become so engrossed in our present lifestyle and our personal goals that we can totally forget the bigger picture. And that, of course, is our true high calling from God. Our calling from God is to be a light or maybe better translated to be a voice of reason from our gracious heavenly father to those that are lost in our current darkness. Yes, it's easy to get caught up in our world system that we lose sight of our real purpose and our true meaning of life in our relationship with Christ. Yes, our busy lifestyles can blind us, you could say, to the simplicity of what really matters. Those things that last into eternity as we're constantly bombarded with the ideology of the world, the power of positive thought, multiple versions of New Age philosophy or some other type of self-reasoning that's supposed to get people through another day. Yes, the list seems to be pretty endless when it comes to the things that can consume our time, things that can captivate our every brain cell. Many of these things can rob us of our very purpose on this side of heaven. They can derail us from the basic infrastructure that God has given to us in his word. I love that verse that's in Psalm 119, verse 130. It says, the unfolding of your words gives us light. It gives understanding to the simple. See, God says, look, you don't have to have a huge IQ for me. You don't have to be some Einstein, you know, person that has this you know, great education. It's like if you take time and spend it in my word, I will give you, even a simple-minded person, maybe you barely graduated high school, and it's like, I will give you wisdom to deal with the infrastructure of this world in a way that will surpass people that are around you because it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Listen to the promise God gives to those who seek him. Proverbs one twenty three says, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. He's like, repent of your sin, get right with me, and I will give you a wisdom that you could never have anywhere else I will pour my spirit upon you and I will allow my word to be known to you yes God desires us to really know him and to seek after him I love what Jesus said on the sermon on the mount how much more inviting can you make this to people to a known God he says in Matthew 7 7 Jesus says ask and it will be given to you Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks will receive. And he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks, it will be open for him. What kind of a promise is that? The Bible is filled with promises. In fact, the Bible is really a treasure chest of promises to those who believe. The very fact that God's concerned about us. that he actually listens to us is more than we could ever really comprehend for if we could really comprehend the fact that God is actually listening to us wouldn't we maybe pray just a little bit more than we do but what can we do as believers to really help ourselves to stay focused on becoming who God has really desired for you and me to be? Well, to start with, we could embrace what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, where he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance but like the one who has called you, be ye holy yourselves also in all of your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy, God said. Now, obviously, becoming holy as God is holy is not natural for you and me. I mean, we have to work at that, right? You know, we have to work at being good. Listen, I don't know about you, but being kind and Loving and patient isn't the first emotion I have when I'm driving on the 405. Okay, that's the last thing I'm thinking about. But we're not told here to be like we used to be. The Bible says, don't be conformed to your former lust. But what does that actually mean? It means we're not to follow, we're not to adhere to how we used to live. Before we came to know Christ, we used to be angry all the time. We used to hold grudges. Oh, yeah? Oh, I don't get mad. I get even. We, are, we used to think of ourselves first, the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. What can I do for me? Now we're to do the opposite. We're to reflect Christ to others instead of reflecting ourselves. Now, obviously, this must be possible. It has to be possible because even Jesus told us in Matthew 5, 48, he says, Therefore, you are to be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. I mean, the thought of us like trying to be perfect in this life, it seems so far-fetched. In fact, in ourselves, it's actually an impossibility. For we could never obtain being perfect by our own doings. And again, why is that? Because we're all born with a sin nature. Yet the fact provides no ground for this as Christians. Okay, he's saying, look, you can't do it on your own. You cannot grasp or obtain this on your own, a life of holiness. We can't do it on our own. But God has allowed us so much grace in our life so that we can start pursuing being just like him. There's so much grace. So instead of just giving up and just saying, well, I could never do that. No, 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 there's grace and there's mercy. So we can pursue this. So when we do fall short on that day of his perfection and you know, we can come to him and we can say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And when we fall short, he will forgive us. The Bible likens us, as you know, to sheep that have gone astray. You know, and being likened unto sheep going astray is not, you know, it's not a compliment, obviously. And speaking of sheep going astray, there's a book that's written by a modern day shepherd, and he talks about one of his sheep, and he named her Miss Gadabout miss gadabout and this miss gadabout she would just just wander and she was prone to just give problems to him now he said that she was a beautiful sheep her lines were perfect and her wool was excellent but she would walk the entire fence line just looking for a loophole some way to sneak out from him the shepherd couldn't figure out why miss gadabout was so restless she was so filled with discontentment because the grazing where the shepherd would find her she would run from that and she would find another place to feed that wasn't as good as what the shepherd had picked out for her many times he had to leave all the other sheep just to go and hunt down where did miss gadabout go in her wandering ways I wonder if any of us here today are like Miss Gadabout. We're always looking for loopholes as we toy with things that we shouldn't be toying with, as we're playing with things we shouldn't be playing with, as we're dancing next to the thresholds of sin in our life. You might wonder well, Pastor, whatever happened with Miss Gadabout? Well, she never stopped her wandering ways. And to make it worse, other sheep started following after Miss Gadabout. And the shepherd realized that he could not allow this one obstinate, discontented sheep to lead the other sheep astray. So the shepherd took out his knife and he ended Miss Gadabout's life. And Miss Gadabout found herself on the dinner table as pork chops. You get the point. She became dinner, lamb chop dinner. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Lord wants to be gracious to us. He wants to be merciful to us. He wants to move inside of us. But we have to have a life of willingness And having a life of willingness is having a life that's willing to serve. And again, why? Because serving God is an intricate part of the Christian life. This is what we're supposed to do. As we continue in our study through the book of Exodus, as you remember over the last Few studies, Moses has met with God on Mount Sinai a couple times now, and that's where God had revealed his plans to Moses for the children of Israel. God also carved out of stone the ten commandments and he shared with Moses many principles for living along with giving Moses a blueprint for the very first tabernacle to be built in the wilderness the very first sanctuary the very first church one that could be moved because as you remember God would be he would appear to the people as a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night and whenever the cloud moved or whenever the pillar of Fire moved. They would have to get up camp, and then they would follow wherever God would move them. So this new tabernacle, this new sanctuary, would have to be able to be taken apart and movable. It was going to be a model, though, for the very future church that we have here today. It will be a place that people could come and meet with God. It would be a place you could come and worship the Lord. A place to sacrifice. Yes. Now a sinful people could come and meet with a holy God. They would be able to seek forgiveness for their sins. It was a place where people could be restored and renewed in their relationship with God. Yes, everything was great. Right up until Moses on his first trip up the mountain with God hit the 40-day mark. Yes, it was 40 days, just him and the Lord. Moses was basking in the blessedness of that. And that's when God said to Moses, oh, you better get down to camp there because the people are a total disaster. Why? The Bible says that they had sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. And let's just say they didn't rise up to play checkers, okay? They were having a drunken party filled with sexual perversion. They were dancing and worshiping a golden cow. Then after Moses intervened for the people, pleading with God that he would not just roast them all, he went back up to the mountain the second time for another 40 days with the Lord. And with that as a backdrop, let's look at our first point. willing heart. As we read together here in Exodus chapter 35, we will of course pick up in verse 1. It says, then Moses assembled all the congregation of the sons of Israel. And he said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do for six days of work. Six days. May be done, but the seventh day you shall have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it will be put to death, and you shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. And Moses spoke to the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart let him bring it to the Lord's contribution, bring it as the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, bronze. And he goes on for the next 13 verses. And he's talking about the things that we've studied in studies in the past, all the articles that they're gonna build, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, you know, all the different things, all the different pieces that are gonna be involved with this new sanctuary. So he talks about that for the next 13 verses. But notice after the second trip up, with the mountain of God for another 40 days. Notice that God gave Moses no new revelation. No new revelation. There are no new marching orders for Moses, which is the same for each and every one of us here today. There are no no new marching orders from us, from Jesus our Savior. There's no new message. This is why progressive Christianity is not Christianity at all. Because they take the message and they say, oh, well, now because we live in the culture we live in today, we're going to change God's word to accept certain lifestyles because that's what's politically correct today. No, there's no PC politically correct in the scripture. The message never changes. And when you hear me say that God doesn't change and his laws don't change, and I always throw out that 3,500 years ago, what was sin 3,500 years ago is still, is still sin today because 3,500 years ago is when Moses recorded and wrote it all down. See, before Moses, it was just translated down through people talking about it. But it's like if you weren't around someone that knew God's law, then how would you know what God's law is? So God established with Moses the law of God. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what is sin. This is what's not sin. And he wrote it down. That's why the Ten Commandments are ten basic commandments of God. But what Moses wrote down in the Torah, the law, the Pentateuch of God, is 613 laws and so that's why it's like god has wrote it all out now all of humanity is responsible for what is written in the word well i I don't read the bible well you should because you're responsible for it and so therefore there's no new message it hasn't changed Jesus said when he came he says I came not to take away anything from the law of God but to fulfill the law of God for God's law never changes for God is the same today as he has always been and we are called with great purpose in these last days that we're living in that you and me would be a light to shine in our current darkness pointing people to the one and only one who can forgive us to the only one who can grant us passage to heaven. And that is God. No one gets to heaven outside of him. Amen. He's the only one that can give us peace in the midst of a world that has turned away, in the midst of a world that's lost its way, in the midst of a world that has lost its soul. But getting back to Moses, what does he say to the people of God that almost found themselves abandoned by God because of their wickedness? Moses says, you need to get back to God's original plan. Get back to what you were supposed to do before the whole golden cow disaster. Yes, Moses reminds them of what they were already told. This also is a great reminder for me and you here today. And it reminds us of what Peter said in his second and final letter. I wonder how many people before opening Peter's letter said, Oh, what good and new things is Peter going to share with us? I mean, Peter walked with Jesus. Peter was one of Jesus' favorite disciples. I mean, what is he going to share with us? What new revelation? What new deep and spiritual things is he going to share? Yet... This is what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. He says, Therefore, I shall always be ready to remind you of the things even though you already know them. No new revelation. I'm reminding you of what's already been said and have been established in the truth, which is present for you. And I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling here in bodily form to stir you up by way of, of reminder. By way of reminder, and nothing has happened, or changed in the last 2000 years, I as a pastor am here to remind you of what God's word has already said. So Peter said twice here, I'm going to remind you of what you already know. And Moses does the same thing. He reminds the people of what they had already been taught. Understand. The people in Moses' day, 3,500 years ago, they're identical to us. I mean, now, obviously, the fashions have changed since then. Hairstyles, makeup for you ladies, fads, and of course, today, technology changes almost daily. But the hearts of men and women, it never changes. It's the same, for we are all like sheep. We're all like Miss Gadabout's. We're all wandering. We're all kind of looking for the loophole, you could say. For we all know what's true, and we try to figure a way that we can get around it. But we also must be reminded of what we have learned. And that's why we must be diligent to study God's word, to not just hear it, but to actually get into it ourselves so that we do not lose our focus as this world that has lost its soul that we're living in. This world has forgotten God. That's why we're in such a mess. Yes, Moses reminds them of the Sabbath, the fourth commandment. You know, again, we looked at this in detail when we were studying chapter 20, when we were going through the Ten Commandments. But let's just touch on the Sabbath once again, since he brings it up again in chapter 35. The Sabbath, the very word, means to stop or to cease. It's to rest. It's to stop from our normal labor. And in this case, it was a day to be set apart, to remember and to worship the Lord. There are those today who say that the only Sabbath is on Saturday. Like we can only go on Saturday to church. Yet that is not commanded in the New Testament at all. All the other nine commandments are taught all through the New Testament. Yet the Sabbath, the day to cease from our normal work and to honor the Lord is not taught as a day, but rather it's taught as what we are to do. Meaning the spirit of the Sabbath is taking time to honor and to worship the Lord and ceasing from our work. So the actual day, Saturday, Sunday, means less than the worship that it implies. This is why the Bible says in Colossians 2.16, therefore let no one act as your judge in regard to food, drink, or respect of a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath day. Things which are just a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So why is it different from the Jews having the Sabbath on Saturday in the Old Testament? Well, in the Old Testament, the Jews had a relationship with God that was only through the temple and the priests. That was the relationship. So when they came on the Sabbath day, that was, that was where the relationship all happened through the temple and the priests. But you and me, As New Testament believers, we have a personal relationship, direct connection with God himself through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Now the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says, dwells within our very souls. So we are not bound by any holy day. We do not have to wait until the Sabbath to worship the Lord. We as believers have access to the Creator 24-7 Every single day, 24 hours a day, to worship Him, every one of us.
0: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to Pastor and Bible Teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also get via our app and online at corechurchla.org, or you can mail your support to PO Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034.